Welcome to the Architect of Change Show with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman and Associates. Now, here's Connie. Hi, you're listening to webtalkradio.net with your host, Connie Whitman, and you're listening to Architect of Change. Thanks so much for joining me this week. My motivational quote for today is by one of my favorites, Napoleon Hill, and it says, it's a short one, it says, don't wait, the time will never be just right. Do you seem to put off all your big dreams or your long-term to-do list goals? Why? Why do we do that? Why are we always in a waiting mode of thinking? Does this statement sound familiar to you? When X happens, I'll finally be able to do X, Y, and Z. Why isn't that time right now? So ask yourself, what am I waiting for? How do we hold ourselves accountable so our goals are able to create a new reality that's clearer, happier, and happening right now? How are we miss, I'm, I'm sorry, are we missing a key piece of knowledge that holds us back? Today, you are in store for a huge treat. My guest is Joel Fotinos. Um, this is the second time being on the show, so you're going to love it again. And Joel is the spiritual businessman, vice president and publisher at Tarsher Penguin, and the author of his new book, My Life Contract, 90-Day Program for Prioritizing Goals, Staying on Track, Keeping Focused, and Getting Results. Joel's going to help, uh, Gold is going to hold us responsible and accountable so we will be armed with the tools needed to begin to create the changes in our life that we're actually seeking. He's going to help us figure out how to do it now with a capital N-O-W. Joel is going to tell us about our six main responsibilities and how we can move forward by understanding where we are today. Get your pens and papers, papers out, guys, because you won't want to miss any of Joel's formula of how to create your 90-day contract to change. Joel, thank you so much for being on again. Thanks, Connie. I really am so glad to be here. Yeah, we have a lot to say. <laughs> yes, we do. We always do. <laughs> we always do. That's right. Um, so let's, let's start because I, I love, for me, I love that word accountability and whenever I work with, with my companies, you know, the corporations that I consult with, I always talk about that component of, well, how are we going to hold everybody accountable after we do the training, after we do the, the culture shift, whatever it might be. So how does accountability or how do you think accountability affects our goals? Well, I think accountability affects our goals in, in three main ways. The first way that accountability affects our goals is really that we just tend to show up more. Um, if our goal is to go to a gym and get fit, being held accountable means that we're probably going to show up more to the gym than we would if nobody knew that we were actually committed to doing it. So it helps us to show up more every day, more consistently. And the second way, it keeps us more honest. If you know that somebody else is going to hear more about your process or uh, about your goals and, and your results, you're going to be a little bit more honest about how you uh, talk about your process and, and what really is happening. We can get a little bit um, tricky with ourselves, I think, sometimes. We can kind of skirt the truth a little bit so that we stay in the comfort zone. But when you're help, being held accountable by someone else or yourself in certain ways, then it, you have to be honest and and it uh, really just does help our journey go further. And finally, being held accountable, believe it or not, and I think you'll probably agree with me, Connie, I think it makes things more fun. Yeah. 
Yeah, because now you're playing in it. Now you're really into it. When you're being held accountable about something, you're really into the process, and you can't sit on the sidelines as much. So I really like the idea of being held accountable because, for me, it makes me uh, participate more fully in whatever process or whatever goal that I have. Yeah, and it's interesting, the second one, you know, to be honest, to, well, to keep us ourselves honest, because the reality is we believe our lies, <laughs> you know. We believe our excuses because we say them enough that all of a sudden they take on a life of their own, and you're like, well, yeah, yeah, that's why I don't do that, because, you know, when I go to the gym, I always hurt my knee. So, you know, we, we believe our excuses. And I, I do agree that once... I think once we, we challenge our comfort zone and you make a little progress, we have more fun with it because the fear starts to dissolve about the thing that we, the change, whatever it is that we're trying to do. They're like, oh my God. And as soon as you show up, you're honest with yourself and you start doing, the change doesn't become so scary. It, it, it kind of melts around you a little bit. And that's where I think the fun comes in. So I think we forget about having fun. <laughs> that's kind of important, right? It is for me. You know, I've found in my life that if, if I can find ways to enjoy the process, I'm more apt to stick with it. Sure. And so, yeah. But I think you're exactly right. You know, when you do show up more and when you're being accountable, those fears that you thought would happen, you discover are paper tigers. I like that phrase a lot. They're just paper tigers. And, um, and then that helps um, keep the motivation going. You know, being held accountable allows us to stick to something finally at last, which really creates this momentum and a really great feeling. I think most of us know that feeling when we are in that place of being held accountable and really doing uh, the work and going forward versus what kind of our other type of everyday life would be, which is, as you said, maybe lying to ourselves or, or just being numb or avoiding things. Mm -hmm. And we know the difference. It's uh, just a matter of kind of getting into motion and getting ourselves uh, moving forward. I, and movement's healthy, you know, um, but it's healthy for our body, it's healthy for our minds, it's definitely healthy uh, for our careers, you know, whether you have a business or you work for someone, uh, movement is good, it, it shows that you're able to adapt and, and handle decision making, all of those uh, different things. Now, in the book, you talk about six main responsibilities. Um, can you maybe share what they are and, and give some examples, because I, I think people relate to examples they can bite into that yeah what what i discovered you know i'm a businessman so i deal a lot with contracts so when i was dealing with uh, a lot of heavy things in my life and i was trying to find ways through them the process through them i kind of related it uh to what i do in business and and contracts came up in my um, you know as i thought about it and what i realized is we are in contract with life toward the thing that we want and like in any contract, there are things that are one party's responsibility and things that are the other party's responsibility. Mm -hmm. So I've noticed that there are six main things that are on our side or our responsibilities of the contract. And then life, who we are in contract with, has two main things uh, that life is responsible for. So I can just tell you quickly what our six responsibilities are. And, sure. And, uh, they're a little surprising, and, and I discovered this, by the way, when I was in debt. I was in nearly $60,000 worth of personal credit card debt, so this is the map or the contract uh, 
that I found to get myself out. And the first thing is to get clear about where you are now. And so for me, that meant becoming really clear finally at last of exactly how much debt I was in. Other people have used it for addictions or for artistic goals. Um, for me, it was about discovering exactly how big the hole I was in uh, that I had dug with my credit cards. And the second thing is then you want to get clear about what it is you want. Once you are clear about where you are, then you can see where you want to go. For me, I was 57000 and some odd dollars in credit card debt. So for me, the first goal that I wanted to create was zero. I just sure. wanted to get out of debt. And so that was my first real big goal was zero. Now, for other people, for a creative endeavor, perhaps it's they want to write a book or they want to, um, you know, uh, create something or they want a new job. They want to uh, maybe uh, lose a certain amount of weight. But you get clear about where you start and where you want to go. And then the third thing sounds simple, but it's really kind of a key moment, which is to make a decision. Hmm. And this is the big decision. This is one of those decisions like, I'm really going to do it this time. This is my, my life is unmanageable, and I'm ready to make it work. And I'm ready to do the things that it will take to make it work. And believe it or not, just making that decision is one of the big things that it takes to make our life work. So for me, since I was in credit card debt, the first decision I made was I need to get out of debt. I need to stop using credit cards. Hmm. Um, and then the fourth thing is once you make a decision, you think of the first action you can take towards your goal, and then you take it. You take it immediately. You don't wait till later that day. You don't wait until tomorrow. You take it immediately because that's where the energy is. The energy is in the moment that you think of it. So for me, when I thought, okay, the decision is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not use credit cards, and my first action then was to take my credit cards and cut them up. Hmm. Now, I had 23 active credit cards. Wow. So it took me a, took me a little while to cut them all off. <laughs> Shredder. <laughs> that was my first I, I, I didn't even have a shred. I couldn't afford one. <laughs> you poor so thing. I, used my, I, I actually drank a, a big glass of wine, and, I, and then I got a pair of scissors, and I just cut them all up. And it was, it was hard for me because I was living on, uh, on those credit cards. They were really my life at that moment, my financial life anyway. Uh, so that's you take an action immediately. If it's to lose weight, you decide you know, throw out all the sweets or join a gym. If it's a creative endeavor, you want to write a book, the first thing you do is you sit down at the, the computer and you begin writing. So whatever it is, you take action immediately. The fifth thing is what I call C and P, the letter C, the letter P. That stands for consistent and persistent. Mm. Consistent means do it every day. And persistent means especially the days you don't want to. Because realistically, we know that whenever we start any project, any goal, there are going to be days we don't feel like it. And that's just the truth. And if we're honest about it, then we can prepare for it. And we can say, okay, on those days that I don't want to get out of bed and go to the gym, for me, on those days when I want to just kind of say, you know what, for today I'll use a credit card, um, that I'm going to be persistent in not doing it. So every single day, and then persistent, especially the days that you don't want to. And the last of the six responsibilities on our side of the contract is to strive for excellence. And what that means, it doesn't mean perfection. What it means is just do the best you can each day. Some days 
in my journey from heavy debt to debt-free. Some days I was better than others. Um, but every day I did try to do my best at that time. And just having that as a goal, as an expectation of myself, made me stick with things a little bit more. So those are the six uh, responsibilities on our side of the contract. And if we stay focused on those six things and every day recommit, redecide, make that decision again, take an action, be consistent, or if it's one of those days when you really don't want to, be persistent, and then just do the best you can that day, it really carries you forward so amazingly fast, it's unbelievable. You know, and I, it's so funny, as you're going through them, I actually wrote, rewrote them down, and it's logical. It's ridiculously logical. But here's my first question, step number two, that you actually wrote down and you said it was 57000 and change. Had you never done that before where you had written out or realized, added up, sat, sat all the uh, statements together and added them together? You had never done that? I hadn't really done it uh, to that level of clarification. Um, you know, I got all the bills every single month, all mm -hmm. of those credit card bills, and I was, it was like a shell game for me. I was moving money around, and you know how credit cards say if you transfer this balance to our credit card, you get six months with zero sure. financing and all that, and that's, that was my life. And so I had kind of a general idea. But I remember at the time thinking that I was probably in debt maybe thirty or forty thousand dollars. So when I actually sat down and added it all up and it was fifty seven thousand dollars, I was really shocked. It was so much more than I thought. And actually I didn't I wasn't the one that added it up. I went to an accountant and took everything and he added it up and what he said to me was, and he was so happy because he thought he had figured out the secret to my success, how I was going to become debt-free. He added it all up, and he said, I've got great news for you. You're in debt, 57000 and whatever the, ch the rest of it was. And he said, but if you don't use your credit card one more time and you get a, a small raise every year for the next X number of years, you can get out of debt in only 23 years. Holy crap. Like, I was like, what? That makes no <laughs> it was the worst thing I could ever hear. And uh, in the end, though, using my process, and it was not a process that I sat down and thought, this is the process I'm going to use. I, use, I figured <laughs> out through, through trial and error and, and what worked and what didn't work. But using it, I ended up getting out of debt in three years. That's outstanding. It was amazing. Because when you're in a process, when you're doing your side of the contract, you are really engaged in your own life. And I became engaged in my life in a way I had never done before. And in that way, when I used to use credit cards to kind of numb myself out of life, now suddenly I was in life and I was, I was um, so aware of my finances and it became such an exciting and, um, and really in the end it was, uh, it was really a very positive uh, journey. But I would have never guessed that at the beginning of it. Sure. At the beginning, yeah. you're beyond overwhelmed. And then, That's right. you know, reality sets in. And you, you really did have to figure out at that point, how the heck am I going to work through this? So what do they say? From necessity comes these brilliant you know, um, breakthroughs or these brilliant ideas, and that's exactly what you did, and thus, you know, you shared it in, in the book. So uh, right. 
you know, you're sharing your expertise and not even expertise, your own struggle. And then here's a viable solution. And it's not 23 years from now. That's, I would have, I would have died if that's what the accountant said to me. I would be like, you got to be kidding me. I just should go and slip my wrist now. Yeah, right. Well, that's it's, how I felt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, let's take a really quick break. Then when we come back, I, I'd like you to share the two contracts that, the, the two pieces of the contract that life kind of provides us, and then um, we'll talk about the tracker and that kind of stuff when we come back, okay? Great. You guys don't want to miss this, so hang in there. A speaker has little value to an audience unless you, the listener, is motivated and empowered to change. Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates is a renowned speaker and is an architect of change. Consultations, training, seminars, and speaking engagements are the venues where she affects change. Whether your responsibilities include customer service, sales, marketing, training, executive management, or ownership, and you are seeking change in your organization, then you need to hire Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Connie doesn't just fill your ears with rhetoric. She speaks to the heart and success of your business. So next time you need to hire a speaker, don't hire someone that just talks. Hire an architect of change, Connie Whitman. Just ask for Connie by calling 732-888-1420. That's 732-888-1420. Or email Connie at WhitmanAssociates.com. Okay, we are back with Joel Fotinos, and we are talking about really a contract with ourselves and how... Anything is possible, down, right down to Joel's example of $60,000 in debt. I have to ask, how much were you earning at the time? My salary at that time was about $40,000. Holy moly. Um, wow. And, and actually, I had just gotten a big promotion to $40,000 uh, wow. that year. And so, it, yeah, it was a real shell game. It was very, it was very dark. Anybody who's ever been in, in debt or is in debt knows how heavy that feels. Sure, sure. So here, if you're listening, here's some great solutions. Now, you talked about our six, right, things that we are responsible for in the contract, and the other party in the contract is life. So what are the two that you kind of def define as life's piece of it? Well, what I've learned is that life's part of the contract are really the two things we wish were ours, and that is how and when. Uh. How we get what we want and when we get what we want. You know, how we achieve our goal and when we achieve it. And the funny thing is, is we think we're so brilliant at, at all of this, and yet I, I was the one that got myself into the mess. Hmm. So what I needed to do was to give up the very things that I thought that I knew best how to do and then concentrate on those things that really were mine to do. And they were a lot of the things that I was kind of avoiding, truthfully. Um, Can you give an example? I, well, you know, I, I kept, I, I always had this idea that I knew exactly how I was going to get out of debt, and I, it was always going to be at some point in the future soon, and I just kept thinking to myself, if I only got a check from somebody for $60,000 right now, <laughs> I would pay off my debt, and, I'd be, and life would be fine, and that was my big solution. How? I don't know exactly, but that was the how that I came up with that was going to solve my problem. Yeah, somebody yeah. was going to give me, or I was going to win some sort of, uh, you know, uh, re, um, uh, lottery or something like that. Sure. The truth is, if somebody had given me a check for $60,000 at that time and I paid off my debt, I would have probably gotten back in debt 
just very quickly and maybe even in more debt. And I know that because I've actually had that experience with other people that I know who have done that very thing. Um, because we have to change fundamentally. Otherwise, we, we go right back to the same place. That's why statistics show when people win big lotteries, mm-hmm. they lose all of it within two to, two to three years and oftentimes go back into bigger debt than they were before they won those big lotteries. Their mind hasn't changed. They're, they haven't changed. They are the same person, and so, of course, they have to end up with the same results. Through my process, I ended up becoming a different person. I grew, and that's the point. You know, that's, that's, the, um, that's the secret. When I read Think and Grow Rich, I read yeah. it because I, I wanted to become rich, but what I really realized that several times after, after reading it several times was the point of the book is not about thinking or riches. It's about growing. And so I grew. And as I grew, the circumstances in my life changed and grew as well. Can you so give some examples how of how, when. yeah, how and when. Give us examples of how and when life kept its end of the bargain, so to speak. Well, you know, I, I like I said, I wanted everything to happen immediately. My accountant said it was going to take 23 years. But life <laughs> Still makes me up, laugh. I know. And, but life ended up making it take three years, and mm-hmm. that was the amount of time it was supposed to take. The how ended up being unlike any way that I could have ever imagined. I stayed focused on my responsibilities, you know, keep making those daily decisions to stay in this, be consistent, persistent, and, mm-hmm. and my action, which was to not debt. And in the process, I found all these really interesting ways to to have fun. I, I found ways that I found that museums have free days. I found that instead of going to restaurants with friends and they would all pay me cash and I'd put everything on the card, I could we could have uh, potlucks at each other's house and it would end up being more fun. Sure. All of this interesting, fun, different ways of being happened, and that was the how that life kept showing me. Oh. You don't have to do it the old way. You can do it this way. And, um, and I ended up, as I expanded my mind, I would get promotions, and I ended up with a big promotion um, because, specifically because of this new behavior that I was, that I was um, uh, exhibiting. Practicing, yeah. Practicing, yeah. So, you know, the how is always so different. If, I think if we look back at many of the great things that happened to us and we think of all the the things that had to be in place for that moment to occur, maybe it was the moment when you met somebody that you ended up being in a relationship with. Or uh, I remember one guy was telling me that he got the job of his dream because he had a hunch to go sit on a bench in Central Park. And as he sat there, he started a conversation, or the guy next to him started a conversation with him. And that guy ended up being the head of the very corporation that was in the same industry that my friend was looking for a job in. And they started conver- uh, having a conversation, and he ended up working for this guy in, the, in like this dream job, and it happened in a hunch. Life speaks to us in signs and symbols and hunches, and when we follow through, when we take those actions, those positive actions every day, then, um, then great things happen to us. But if that friend of mine had not taken that hunch and said, oh, that's ridiculous to go sit in the Central Park. There's already a guy sitting on that bench. I'm not going to go sit over there. If he hadn't taken that hunch, 
his life wouldn't have taken that interesting turn. Yeah, there so are no accidents. Takes, there are no accidents, but life takes care of the how. We just have mm-hmm. to stay, uh, you know, we just have to pay attention to those feelings and hunches and take those actions every single day that come up for us. People don't, though. I, I think we're afraid to extend ourselves. Like, like you said, most People, nor, and I, I almost use the word normal, <laughs> not that your friend's not normal, but most people, right, that are normal like us, right, would say, oh, I'm not going to go sit over there. It's ridiculous. There's already a person sitting there. I'm going to go sit at the other bench, but that's not what your gut was, was guiding you to do. So, and, and the other problem, I think, is we have so much going on every day thrown at us, you know, your cell phone. Uh, text, emails, meetings, uh, phone calls, uh, drive, driving in traffic constantly that we never get to listen to our gut and see where it guides us. So right. that's well, a very... Also, uh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, uh, you're good, good. I was going to say sometimes too, people will take actions if they think they know what the result of the action is going to be. Yeah. So the, the guy, my friend who went and sat on the bench... You know, when I've told that story in the past, people laugh and they say, oh, I would have done it. And then they think about it and they say, well, you know what, maybe I wouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know ahead of time what the result is going to be, you mm-hmm. think to yourself, that can't be the avenue which life is going to bring me what I want. Because it doesn't make it doesn't, sense. It doesn't look like I think it should look. Right. That's why I say we always want the how and the when. We want it to look exactly the way we want it to look. And... Yet life says, hey, look over here. And then when we do, and when we take that chance, that risk, we are always just so surprised, and it's so wonderful. But we just have to be open to it. And I think that's one of the reasons I wrote this book, is so that uh, in these 90 days, in the program for 90 days, you stay aware, you become heightened to the fact that life is going to start speaking. As I stay focused on my six responsibilities, life is going to start speaking to me. Life is going to start putting me in the places that I need to be. But I just need to stay focused on my things and say yes. And then life will handle the rest. And yeah. it, it really is remarkable how that happens. It's funny because we're, control, we're all control freaks to some extent. Right. Right. We need to know what's, what we're going to do tomorrow. We all have our to-do list. Hey, listen, I have my to-do list. I am not putting them down. I swear by mine. I'm a control, I know I'm a control freak. On the same token, though, I try to fit in meditation. I try to fit in, well, I, I don't try, I do. Um, I, I fit in yoga one to two times a week. So these, these little things have, at night, I do a, a little like ritual thing at night with some music and stuff like that. Um, number one, to calm me down because you could tell I have a high energy. Um, so I need to chill myself at night because I'm crazy. But it not only does it do that, but it also opens up the subconscious as I fall into sleep. And different answers have come to me from that realm. So we, we really do want to control. And sometimes the flow of life, you, you can't control. And you, you have to be in flow. And, and I don't think we often are. I don't think we know how to. So this brings me to my next question. We have about four minutes. But... You have the 90-day gold tracker, and you actually have the tracker in your book. So it's yeah. not just a written book. It's more of a workbook. Your, it the, is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the actual the, the lesson part or teaching part 
uh, is very small. It's only like 30 or 40 pages. And the rest of the book is the action part. And it is the 90-day tracker. And I put that in there because I'm somebody who needs to stay focused. Um, it is easy, really easy for us as human beings to get distracted or to think, okay, I don't need this anymore. I've got it. Now I've got it. I'm okay. And, um, and get off track again. But what what the 90-day tracker does for me, and the reason I do it is it helps me keep track of what I'm doing, so I'm staying focused towards the goals that I want, keeps me um, focused. Uh, it, it shows me the progress that I'm making because it feels good to see progress sure. as you're moving along. And the third thing is is it helps create a momentum for me. And I like doing things in 90-day bits because, mm-hmm. for me, 90 days is long enough that big things can happen in 90 days through 90 little day steps. But at the end of every 90 days, I kind of stop and take stock again and say, okay, am I still headed in the right direction? Is this still where I want to go? Do I want to change or refine my goal? Do I want to expand my goal You know, and see what's working and what's not working? And so for me, every 90 days becomes a, a time when I can look at things again. And then I get a brand new momentum and, and start the 90-day tracking uh, one more time. So you, this, is, this really is a lifelong tool that every almost quarterly is really what you're saying. You kind of reassess. Did that work? Where am I? Do I need to shift, tweak? If something, you know, sometimes things take longer depending on what the objective is. You know, if you want to lose 100 pounds, certainly you're going to need more than 90 days for it to be a healthy weight loss, right? So you might look at 90 days and say, wow, I've lost 30 pounds. So this, this next quarter, I want to lose maybe 25 to 30 more pounds and then set the tracker in place for that. So this is really a tool for life. For life, and keep in mind, I I did get out of debt in three years, so I did it 90 days at a time. Sure. And every 90 days, I I reevaluated how much debt am I in now. I could see the progress. I could really enjoy uh, the fact that I was making progress. Some 90 days, I made more progress than others. But in those 90 days when I made less progress, maybe less than I even, you know, anticipated, I would look at it and say, why was that? You know, what was my challenge? And so it allows, 90 days allows us to have little chunks where we can look back, we can look forward, and then recommit ourselves. And so I did, like I said, I did three years, 90 days at a time, and I've had other goals that have taken me years, and again, I do it 90 days at a time. And isn't it... I think it'll take 90 days, and it only takes like 30 or 40. Sure. And then I, then I reassess, and I pick a new goal when that happens. Yeah, because you don't want to stop and say, oh, I got, thir- I got 60 days where I could just relax. <laughs> you don't want to relax. You, I mean, you, you don't not want to relax, but you certainly want to keep the momentum going. And it's, I love that um, perspective. It's so hard to look at the 100 pounds or the 60,000 of debt or learning a new skill, whatever that might be, or writing a book. That's a, a mon- they're monumental objectives so that right. you break it into just all I'm going to worry about and focus on is 90 days of staying focused and do what I need to do for 90 days. And then after right. you reevaluate it and you've lost 30 pounds, how does that not motivate you to keep going? Or you've eliminated five or 10,000 of debt. How does that not motivate you um, to keep moving forward? So if right. you look at it, look, what's the old saying? Don't look at the mountain, look at the molehill, right? If we look at those little pieces of the 90 days and use your tracker over and over again, Done, baby. Easy peasy. Right. 
Well, you know, in the example of somebody who wants to write a book, writing a whole book is a big goal. But if I commit myself to writing two pages a day, mm-hmm. just two pages, at the end of 90 days, I've got 180 pages. Yeah. Wow. That's pretty amazing. You know, another 90 days after that, I'd have 360 pages toward a book. Yeah, your book. And it goes, it just goes two pages at a time. And that's how I got out of debt, just little bits at a time, every single day, not debting, paying it off a little bit at a time. It yeah. works. The little adds up to the big. Isn't that the truth? It sure we, does, yeah. Yeah. We're, we're actually out of time, but just real quick, if you had one piece of advice, um, Obviously, go buy his book, guys, because the 90-day tracker, literally, the information, those first 30 pages, and then the tracker is yours that you can customize with your goal and just use it over and over and over again. So this is, this is a lifelong tool that, you know, it's the cost of a book. It's not a big deal. Um, with that said, what piece of advice would you give? I would say right now, for those listening and, and like it and think, gosh, I wish that were me, I would say do this. Pick one goal, just one goal, one small goal achievable. Think of one action you can take today in the next hour and then do it. Just doing that one action means now you're moving and you are now in motion. And repeat it again tomorrow and you're well on your way. So just start by thinking of one goal, take one action, and the rest, you're, you're now in motion. Yeah, and and do it now. Literally, listen to the show, and if you're driving, obviously get home first (laughs) or get to work first, and then take that, you know, quick five minutes, figure out what you're going to do and start movement, start doing it. But do it now because, you know, tomorrow never comes. I love Napoleon Hill's comment, don't wait, the time will never be just right. So just just freaking go and do it because that's 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 where life becomes exciting and wonderful for us. That is exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everybody, on the Web Talk Radio website, you know my routine. I'm going to put Joel's uh, website, which is joelfotinos.com. So J-O-E-L. F-O-T-I-N-O-S dot com and you can get his book there plus it's on Amazon name of the book is My Life Contract 90 Day Program for Prioritizing Goals Staying on Track Keeping Focused and getting results. But again, if you search Joel, you'll you'll find it or go to the website and um, easy peasy, you could click and buy it. Joel, thank you so much for being on again. Just, I, you know I'm, I'm in love with you. I think you're awesome. Uh, I loved your book. I use your book. I just think that little changes add up to big, big, huge results, and we're all worthy of big, beautiful things. So you know what? Go do it. Go do it. I, I'm with you. Thank you again yeah. so much for having me on. Absolutely, my, my pleasure. Um, thank you all for joining us. Uh, again, I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as I did, and I hope that you found this information useful so that you can go and apply it into your life again immediately, which is awesome. Um, I hope you'll join me weekly as we question, build, and discover together how to grow and challenge ourselves so we all embrace change and realize that it's easier than we think. And today was just a perfect example of tools to help us achieve that. Thanks, uh, thanks again for joining me. You've been listening to Architect of Change with me, your host, Connie Whitman, on webtalkradio.net. Have an inspired week, everyone. You've been listening to The Architect of Change with your host, Connie Whitman of Whitman Associates. Thank you for tuning in. We're glad you were here. Time, baby.